Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. I love Wanskis, but yeah. I think it's a real acquired taste. You can't just – I can take anyone to Schwartz's. Right. You take someone to Wanskis, the first thing they look, they look around and say, what the hell am I doing here? What do I eat here? That's right. And it's uh, a <laughs> yeah. fried bologna sandwich. Right. But it's sort of a perfect sandwich. Oh, absolutely. And he's been serving the exact same sandwich since the 30s. It must be doing something right. Okay, hi. The show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, as it is every week. You know, they got this thing that I really like. If you've ever done work where you bill your client for all the time you spend working on their project, where you file expenses, you just press the button on the mobile app, and as soon as you're thinking about the project, working about the project at a meeting, it's logging that time. And when you have an expense, you take a picture with your phone of the receipt and you tag it. Is it a travel expense, food? And it just puts everything together for you automatically when it comes time to bill the client. That stuff has always been a time suck for me, saving my receipts, scanning them, adding them up. That stuff takes time and, and you can't really bill for that time. I guess you could. You shouldn't. Anyhow, you don't have to. FreshBooks.com. Check it out. So I was an intern, my first job in radio. I was an intern 
at the age of 16 through my high school's co-op program at Q107. Toronto listeners will know it well. The Mighty Q, at the time, Toronto's best rock. That was during the late stages of the rock wars. Uh, Rockers versus freaks. I guess the freaks won. The Mighty Q threw in the towel. Now they're known as Toronto's classic rock. They make no claim anymore to be Toronto's best rock. Anyhow, I was wildly exploited. I had a, a number of menial office tasks, and then I was neglected, exploited and then neglected. I worked in the promotions department, and I had hours of time on my hands just to explore this radio station. And and it was a really good thing that I smoked in high school, because this is back when you still had a smoker's lounge in an office. And it was a great way for people at the bottom to, to meet people from different levels, as long as you had this one thing in common. And that's that's where I met the DJs. And uh, you kind of had two types of DJs. You had DJs like Joey Vendetta. Uh, I think his real name was Pino Scaletti. And then you had DJs like Rory O'Shea. And uh, the difference was a Joey Vendetta on the air would be like in the big radio voice, you know, like coming up, triple shot of foreigner. And then you'd catch him in the smoker's lounge the next morning and he'd be like, oh, God, I'm hungover. Rory O'Shea, on the other hand, would be like, this is rockin' Rory O'Shea with you on your rockin' ride home, triple shot of Foreigner coming up. And then you'd see him in the smoking lounge, and he'd be like, wow, I am so hungover today. He just couldn't turn it off. I don't know. I was young at the time. I was naive. I'm sure there were substances involved. I don't know that. I shouldn't say that. Anyhow, that was my job. It wasn't always pretty or fun. I remember when there was a meatloaf throwing contest to promote Meatloaf's new album. I had to clean up the meatloaf. The pinnacle of my degradation occurred at the Q107 Annual Rock Awards, where I was told that I was being bestowed a great honor in that I had to wear the Q-Bear mascot costume. I was assured that everybody had to do this when they came up through the station. They told me that uh, Joy Vendetta had been Q-Bear, in fact. That was not a comforting idea to me. It was very hot in that costume. You had to strip down to your underwear. I wasn't sure if they had cleaned it since Joy Vendetta wore it, but I did it anyhow. Because that was my job, and, and really for two other reasons. One reason was Weird Al Yankovic was the host, and I wanted to meet Weird Al. I thought that I'd be hanging out with him backstage, and I thought he wouldn't be able to resist talking to a guy in a bear costume, and we'd hit it off, and who knows where that could go. The second reason I was excited about this was that uh, it gave me some cover to ask a girl to hang out with me that night. You couldn't see very well in the bear costume, and I was told I'd have to bring a friend to lead me around this bar. And I knew one girl who would actually think that the Q107 Rock Awards was cool, this rocker chick named Chloe. So I asked her, and she jumped at it. But the whole thing was a horror show. I didn't get to meet Weird Al. They didn't let me backstage. I had to change in a broom closet. Chloe quickly ditched me. I later found out that she was backstage, hanging out with Joy Vendetta. Meanwhile, I was just sort of walking around blind and sweating in my underwear with this bear suit on, in the club. Rocker dudes threw their beer at me. Their girlfriends with the big feathered hair would stick their hands in the bear pants and grab my balls. It was the most action I'd seen at that point in my life. I did not enjoy it. My internship was not a dignified one. I'm looking for an intern now. I'm a bit concerned. There's a lot of controversy about internships these days. I don't want to take advantage of anybody, but I could really use the help. Not sure how to go about it. I was clicking around on Facebook and somebody brought up internships. There was a small discussion and I was reading the comments and, and this name that I didn't recognize, Howard Bernstein, he just had this incendiary response to the whole idea. He tore the idea of internships, journalism internships specifically, to shreds, did a fine job of it. And the part that really caught my eye, he identified himself as the guy who used to run the internship program at Ryerson's Journalism School. 
Anyhow, I was curious what that was all about. So here he is. Howard Bernstein came and joined me in the Canada Land Studio. Turns out he has had a very interesting career. He's worked everywhere, knows everyone, and isn't afraid to name names. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. <laughs> so you, you ran the internship program at Ryerson. I actually was, I, would, I was instrumental in creating it. I fought like hell for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I, I didn't, re- you know what? I think I was very naive at the time about internship because where I came from, I mean, I'd never used interns. Right. But what I saw, I don't know if have, you, have we started? I don't. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, uh, what I saw was all these kids from what I thought were lesser schools than Ryerson, mm-hmm. um, and and from other programs, including RTA. I saw these people getting jobs mm-hmm. because of their internships, and I said, "Why can't our students do that?" I mean, right. it seems unfair to our students. You want to give them the same opportunity. Exactly. Now, this is after you had worked at various news organizations. After and during. I mean, I, 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 mean, I was, uh, I don't know if you know my background, but I was uh, head of news at CBC Toronto. I was uh, news director at Global. Uh, I, I was head of news specials at CTV. Before that, I was executive producer of Canada AM. I mean, I, I produced, uh, I was executive producer of Sunday Morning on CBC Radio. I've done an awful lot in the news business, mm-hmm. but I'd ne- in my day, we didn't hire interns. The first time I ever hired an intern was when I started my own company, and I had a documentary company that was successful for a minute, and, and we would bring in interns. But with that, we never let them, they were never in charge of it, they never did jobs, they were, they were there to see how it worked. Right. And they never replaced anybody. Right. 
It wasn't a source of labor. It was no. It was never a source of labor. In fact, most of the time, it was a pain in the butt. Yeah, you know. But I felt like we had to give back and give people an opportunity. And I still think of what an internship should be as a learning opportunity. When you started, what was the entry level? How would you? What would be your first job at a news organization when well, you started? What was your first job? Well, my first job was actually writing for a newspaper. So it, it's a little strange, but um, but in university, I had. I was the head of the radio department, the radio station, the, the university radio station, mm-hmm. and this was in Nova Scotia. And I actually had a show on the local. Because of that, I what I did was I sold them the idea of two hours on Sunday night of a show from the university yeah. uh, to, to the local station. So I, I already had enough experience that I could walk into places and say I had done things. Right. And to that effect, my first real job was. Um, as a summer student at CBC in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but Was that particular to you to be able to get right in the game from the beginning or, or, or were there interns at the time? There were no interns. I, 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 in fact, I spoke to my wife about this because she also is a broadcaster. She said she had never even heard of internships Yeah. Uh, until she got to the CBC. Uh-huh. Never even heard of it. The way my wife got in was the normal way. You got a job as... You know, women got jobs as the receptionist <laughs> mm-hmm. in small companies or in or in small units, and men got jobs as gophers. Mm-hmm. You know, to, uh, you know, uh, bringing the wire to someone or you know, carrying the tripod to where you were going to set it up. Right. That's what the way you got into the business. Right. I came about it in a different way, and I was—I think I was just very lucky. Yeah, you know, because of my experience, and then I showed up. I was, my first job was for a newspaper called the Sunday Express. It doesn't even exist anymore. It was a—it was a weekly newspaper. It was very similar to the Toronto Sun, uh, but it only came out once a week, obviously. And, and I'd read in their paper that they fired their entire staff, and the next day I showed up at their door. Right. And I said, you know, I'll work for nothing for three months just to prove to you. That I can do this. You you essentially introduced them to the idea of an internship. Well, except they said to me, "No, we, we can't have you work here if we're not paying you." Right. So <laughs> there, they, was, there was some concept of labor laws. Yeah. The, well, yeah. I mean, and, and it shouldn't have been because this was a this wasn't a unionized shop. Yeah. But he paid me, and I'm not saying they paid me not right. They paid me 130 dollars a week. Right. To be a reporter for them, and 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 uh, they said, "Well, you know, we'll." Bring you on for three months. If it doesn't work out, you're out of here. We want, you have to know that right. in advance. Right. It worked out, and the rest is history. You know. I mean, you know, you hear about you know you'll start in the mailroom or you'll be a gopher, and yeah. how, how demeaning that is depicted yeah. in, in, in movies. But yeah. compare that to an internship. And it's like, well, that's actually somebody who you you chose uh, and 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 you, you needed them and you pay them for what they do. That's right. And it was a way in. It was a way to open a door. Yeah. And that was the way it. W- in my day, everyone looked at it. It's like, do whatever you have to do to get in. Once you're in, yeah. you know, then you volunteer for everything that happens around the place. Right. You say, you know, some, the sound person is, is sick. I'll do sound today. You need someone to fill in for anything. You volunteer for that. And eventually you hope that that's going to lead to right. a real job. Right. You learn the business and you make yourself valuable. And- that's right. Let's fast forward for now, though, yep. to uh, you, you, you see that this is the way things are turning, that other schools are producing these interns, and that's, and that's the way to get in. Yep. So you decide to bring that to Ryerson. That's right. But you end up now having done that, having started that program. And why I, I've asked you here today is because I, I caught a Facebook comment yep. from you. You basically decried the whole practice. Absolutely. It's, it's a horrible practice, and it's one that should be, should be banned. Why? And it should be banned because what is really happening out there – 
and I'm going to name names, the worst two places are TVO and CBC, which boggles the mind because, of course, they're both government. Yeah. Those two places are actually hiring fewer people and having interns do the job. In other words, people are losing work because of internships, not getting work because of internships. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything that's more despicable. For one thing, the kind of problems that, that it creates, if someone's terrific, and maybe 10% of students are, they can come in and do the job and, 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 and be great. But maybe 90% of students aren't going to be that great. And they're going to get a reputation as someone who can't do the job, not because they can't do the job, because they're not properly trained. Mm -hmm. They're being asked to do something that's more than they, were, than, than they should be doing. And they end up being blackballed from the industry forever because they didn't do that good a job. And you saw this happening to Absolutely. students that you put into these organizations. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I saw people cutting their staff when they got interns. I saw people asking for more interns every year. Mm -hmm. When we first started, TVO took two people. Pretty soon they were taking six people for Studio 2, doing real jobs. And I'm saying, what the heck is going on there? Yeah. Like, you have interns producing segments on your show? Right. I mean, to me, that was sheer craziness. Now, were these internships that could, like, do they take three and hire on one of them? Like, like were there jobs nope. down the line? Good, you know, good ones can, you know, and that was the whole idea behind it is that good people will be noticed and recognized and get jobs. Mm -hmm. and, and I will say some people got jobs, mm -hmm. but the majority didn't. When you remove paid positions and, and up the amount of interns you take, it begs the question, I wonder if they just look at this as a constantly replenished source of Absolutely. free labor. Absolutely. And that's taken into consideration. Yeah. And they, they learned when we were putting out interns. They learned when other people were putting out interns. You could tell. We'd get phone calls saying, so for your internship in September, how many people do you think we can get? Because yeah. they, they knew that you know once, once they get, didn't get them from Ryerson, then they would get them from somewhere else. And there was, there was a, a rotation, it seemed. You know, what school was going to be supplying them at what point in time? You say that CBC and TVO were the worst. What about the other organizations? Well, actually, I'm, I'm going to surprise you again, I think. I think CTV was the best in my day. I don't know if they're still doing it. Mm -hmm. But CTV never had interns doing jobs. Mm -hmm. They were there. They would rotate through the shows. And they were literally there to see how it worked. They would sit in on meetings. They would watch how shows came together, which is what an internship I always thought was supposed to be. And, and you get used to getting things for free. Mm -hmm. And when you get used to it, you start to live that way and you start to expect it. Did you deal with interns at newspapers as well or just uh, broadcasting? I dealt, dealt with just broadcasting. I was teaching broadcasting. And, and, and it's a lot tougher to intern at newspapers because you do have to pay newspapers. Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do with the newspapers and everything to do with the union. Mm -hmm. The guild will not let them bring anyone in that isn't paid. Mm -hmm. So interns at newspapers do get paid. And honorariums or actually get paid? No, they, I believe they actually get paid, but I would double check that. Right, okay. Else. <laughs> Did you ever have to step in wh wh where you saw a student being exploited in a way that was not acceptable to you? I, there were two occasions. Uh, one was one of my students decided to go to a small TV station in upstate Pennsylvania. Well, this woman's internship started about, I'd say, two weeks before the U.S. A US federal election. Mm-hmm. And she called me to tell me that they put her in charge of election coverage. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this was so ludicrous. I mean, 
So I, I had to step in and say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. She, she can't, you know, first of all, she's Canadian. Yeah. So she doesn't understand your system all that well. And frankly, journalism students are not exactly the best educated when it comes to facts. And second of all, she's not ready to produce election night coverage. Right. Basically, what I was told was she's smarter than anyone else working there. <laughs> right. Would the interns get mad at you because, you know, uh, they might like getting all this responsibility? No, she was scared. Yeah. She was scared. She called me because she was scared. Otherwise, I wouldn't have found out about it. Right. She called me because she was extremely frightened. She said, what, you know, what, what happens? I, first of all, I don't even know how to organize this. Second of all, if it goes bad, you know, uh, what do I do? So so she called me. And, then, and the second one was a woman who... Again, another woman who was – she was very pretty and she got hired again at a U.S. TV station as an intern in Plattsburgh, New York. Mm-hmm. And she arrived on the first day and they, ha- and they sent her out to report. Right. And she phoned me and said, like, I gathered – it didn't go very well. Uh-huh. And she comes and said, I was not expecting to be a reporter, <laughs> right. number one. And number two, certainly not on my first day. Yeah. And she said, it didn't go very well. I mean, I'm really worried they're going to kick me out of here. And then you're worried about their reputations because this is exactly. – uh, word travels fast. And Absolutely. And no one puts you on the air again if, it, if you get a bad uh, – That's right. You know, the, the terrible thing about reputation – broadcasting is a very small business. Mm-hmm. I always joke that it's not a business even. It's a club. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you do one thing wrong when you're 21, it seems to live with you till, till the end of your career. Mm-hmm. You think that's particular to Canada or is that the business in general? Uh, no, I think it's more particular to Canada just because of the size of, you know, you can't, you know, you can't just go anywhere. Like the guys who work in Regina all have friends in Toronto and everyone in Toronto has friends in Winnipeg. You know what? Everyone knows everyone to a certain extent. So what happens is whenever I got an application for a job on my desk, mm-hmm. I would never I would never call the people they put on their CV that, for recommendations. Yeah. I would always phone someone I knew in the, where they worked. <laughs> yeah. Because th- there's no place in the country that I can't phone and know someone. Yeah. And then I would get directly from someone I trusted. You get the news. I, yeah. got, the, I got the real news. Right, so, right. So real news travels from coast to coast in this country. It's mm-hmm. such a small industry. I mean, this has become a very controversial subject. One of the major things that people are concerned about is if – a year-long unpaid internship is a prerequisite for starting a career, you have edited out any young person who cannot afford to work for free for a year. That's true. Uh, and, and, and you know what? It's going to get worse un- unless someone steps in and does something about it. How is it legal? I mean, I know that the unions are not protecting young people, but there are labor laws. As long as you are officially a student, mm-hmm. I gather it's completely legal. Uh-huh. That's my understanding from when I created the internship. Uh, and, and I don't know, rules may have changed since then. But my understanding is it's completely legal as long as you're a student and as long as doing this is a prerequisite for getting your degree. Yeah. And, of course, like any rule, people can play with those rules. <laughs> right. You know, you can twist it and say, well, you know, they're kind of a student. or Right. <laughs> well, you know, the university would like them to get this. So, yeah. So you can play with it enough that it's really, it's, it's a hole big enough to drive a truck through. And if, if you were running things at Ryerson again, you, you would be looking towards abolishing. I, I would absolutely abolish it um, because I don't think students are getting the most from it if they're just being thrown into jobs. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know what, if you want to do an internship on your own, that's up to you. Right. But I'm not going to send you to be exploited. 
Now, I'm asking you this for a very uh, personal and selfish reason. I have put out the word that I'm looking for an intern. Even before I put out the word, I had a few people come to me. I've been in touch with Ryerson. I like getting somebody in the winter. And I have really mixed feelings about it. My first experience uh, at a radio station was as a co-op student in high school. Yep. It was a good experience for yep. me. Showed me a lot and led to me working in the, in the business. I have also have seen at the CBC people who like – it was a fool's errand for a lot of these people. Yep. And they were just wildly exploited. And there was no chance of them being hired on. If I take somebody from Ryerson, I can satisfy myself and say, okay, well, they're getting credit for this. So it's okay. Yes. Otherwise, there's these options of an honorarium or paying a minimum wage. But if I pay minimum wage, I can't offer the same amount of experience or the, the same time commitment. So uh, what's your advice to me? Well, you're living in the world of interns. They exist. When I was running a business, I used interns, even though even by that time, I didn't think it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I used them properly. I feel like it was a real learning experience for them. We never asked them to do anything they couldn't do. And I think there is some validity to that. I still would like internships to work the way they were supposed to work. Yeah. So it's not – I'm not against the idea of internships. I'm against what's happened to them. And I'm against the lack of protection for people. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, from – and, I, you know, you'd think it would be small places, but it isn't. You'd, I'm against it because of places like CBC and TVO. You know, the other thing is that you have to consider is would you have – hired someone to do this job. Right. And if you would have, then maybe an internship is not the way to go. I could do it without them, and I could use every one of them. I could pay one of them uh, a little bit for a few hours, and I've got enough work, believe me, to put everybody who wants some. But those are the questions you have to answer for yourself. Yeah. I mean, whether or not, you know, if you could do it without them, I would say go ahead. Yeah. It's pretty hard to pass up. You know, this is a, a one-man show and, you know, transcribing audio and like – I mean, there's parts of the craft that I enjoy and don't want to give up. Editing audio is a real pleasure. But as it accrues and there's a website, like there's so much stuff and it's – with a phone call, I could have somebody doing this for free. Yeah. And, and there's so little money in broadcasting today. That's what's leading to the exponential growth of this whole problem mm -hmm. is that there's so little money. No one's making money in broadcasting. You know, nobody is. Uh, and, and that's an unfortunate fact of where we sit today. Yeah. So, you know, I can see why everything you can get for nothing helps you to to get the job done. Period. So I can make I can make an argument easily on the other side. Right. It's the exploitation of the young people that bothers me. And I guess if you read my stuff, what my answer because I read another answer when someone said something. The truth is. I don't understand why we don't have apprenticeship in this country. And the difference to me between apprenticeship and, and internship is, first of all, apprenticeship is guarantees you a job. It leads to a job at the end of it. So, in other words, there's a real job there. Mm -hmm. You're, it's their way of seeing whether you can do it. It's your way of seeing whether you want to do it. But if everything works out, you have a job at the end. You're paying your dues. You're an apprentice plumber that's right. or mechanic. Exactly. That's what's left. That's right. But, but that's what you will, you will be, a working professional, that's if right. you get through it. And in places like Germany, the government puts money into that. Mm -hmm. And there are, by the way, internships in this country that the government does put money into. They tend mm -hmm. to be summer jobs. Mm -hmm. But it really amounts to the same thing. So those people are getting paid because the government pays two-thirds of the salary right. or whatever it is. And I don't see why we don't do more of that. 
Is it the government's fault or is is it the media? Is it these companies? You don't get the sense that they are thinking holistically about the careers of the people who work in their organizations of, of you know, here's where you come in, here's here's where we're going to weed people out, find the talent. There doesn't seem to be any kind of a thoughtfully considered trajectory for that. I don't believe there is any thought behind it at all, mm-hmm. let alone trajectory. I don't believe they even think about it. It's just, it's there, they'll use it. Now, what the reason behind it is, I think, a lack of money. You know, again, you asked if, if there were interns when I started. No one needed interns. There was so much money around. Mm-hmm. No one even questioned. You know, if you have a problem, you threw money at it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different world out there today. So I think it's easy to blame broadcasters. I don't. And I don't because I know how tough it is to get enough money and to make enough money to do the job. Mm-hmm. And with the cutbacks going everywhere and staffs getting smaller and smaller and people being asked to do more and more, I understand how they come to it and I don't blame them for going there. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do not. I blame governments and unions and people like that for allowing them to go there. The unions are an interesting part of this. My first full-time job at the CBC was pushed back because uh, the day I was supposed to start work, the lockout occurred. And so I had to sit around for that yeah. summer waiting for, the, for them you know, to open their doors. I went and found my boss on the yeah. picket line and said, is that <laughs> offer still good? <laughs> and I thought, I'm in such a strange position here. Should I picket with them? And I had been a freelancer, and I, I approached the union and said, look, I'm, I'm willing to walk the line here. Where, where do you want me? And they didn't know what to tell me. And when I finally found myself back in the building, I learned that a lot of freelancers' rights and contractors' rights, it was the young people who suffered the, the most from that, uh, from that negotiation. Always. And, that's, and, and frankly, that's one of the things that's perverted unions in this country. Unions are there to, pro- to protect, it seems, seniority and seniority alone. What that means is the people who are always hurt the most yeah. are, are the youngest people, the last people in. I had someone come to me and say to me after they had lost three jobs by being bumped out in three different organizations, mm-hmm. say, well, how am I ever supposed to get enough seniority anywhere so that when their cuts come? Right. So I can't. Every time I'm in someplace, the cuts come and I'm out on the street. It created a nasty environment where you really felt like there were two classes of employees. Everything was kind of like, well, are they protected or are they disposable? You couldn't get rid of the people who are protected no matter what. That's right. And then the other people, no matter how well they did their jobs, would almost certainly get bumped, often to prevent them from becoming staff members. And, you know, there's a funny reaction to that. Because what happened was, in order to get rid of older Deadwood so they could keep young people, they started offering buyouts. Right. Well, what's happened is the best people are taking the buyouts because they can get other work. Yeah. The people who are the deadwood are sticking around yeah. because they can't get other work. So it's creating this ludicrous situation where you have a bunch of deadwood, yeah. a bunch of young people working hard. And when the cuts come, <laughs> the young people working hard are the ones that are the first out the door. <laughs> and, and people don't want to retire these days. Well, it's, it's not easy to retire. You retired. I am retired, thankfully. Did, uh, did these uh, ethical quandaries have anything to do with your departure from Ryerson? Uh, I had some ethical problems with Ryerson, but not not these kinds of ethical problems. Right. I, I, it was among it was their hiring practices. It was the fact that you know I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I, I think the teaching at Ryerson is dreadful. Uh huh. And I think the teaching is dreadful because they care more about getting people with MAs and PhDs nowadays than people who have any experience. That's great if you're teaching English, if you're teaching history. 
But when you're teaching something like journalism or RTA, it seems to me nuts. You need people who know how to do the job. Right. And these people were all pushed out. And I still remember when Ryerson became a university, one of my fellow teachers there said, you know, we've gone from being a first-class technical school to being a third-class university. I'm not sure – well, I'm going to go even further. I'm not sure undergraduate journalism should even exist. <laughs> well, let me talk to you about that. What's the ethical consideration when journalism schools, and not just Ryerson, are taking in students every year, taking their money, putting them through this program, and knowing that – there are not jobs for most of them. There, it is an impossibility that even 30% of them are going to find full-time paying jobs. Should they be cutting back those slots as a result of that? Absolutely. And they know that. And they're not going to do a darn thing about it because journalism is a glamorous thing that draws lots of students. Yeah. And that's all they care about is bringing in lots of students because it brings money into the, into the university. I have a, a bigger ethical question to ask you. Okay. Why are we teaching journalism at community college? To me, that is, you know, crazy beyond belief. If kids at Ryerson are having trouble getting a job, how's someone coming out of Centennial uh -huh. or George Brown going to get a job? Uh huh. I, it makes no sense at all. Well, it, it also always struck me as strange. I never went to journalism school. A lot of the people I worked with of various generation did not have journalism degrees. It was sort of an arbitrary credential. When, when I started, there were no journalism degrees. <laughs> um, I never took journalism. Um, and I still believe that you can learn journalism within three months on the job. Yeah. What you can't learn is a basic knowledge. And that's why I wouldn't allow a journalism degree as an undergraduate degree. I would demand that you have a degree in political science or economics or science, something that gives you some basis. Because what journalism schools do now is they push out all these people who know how to do things, but have no knowledge to back it up. They have broadcasting trade skills. That's right. They have no, craft skills. Yeah, no knowledge to back it up. Yeah. These degrees uh, at Ryerson, uh, a graduate has taken a political science course for journalists, an uh -huh. economics course for journalists. It's ludicrous. That's like what I took. Uh, you know, they forced us art students into science classes, but we'd always fail. So they created uh, moons for goons, yeah, rocks for jocks. Exactly. And that's yeah. exact. And so these kids are coming out with tremendous knowledge of, of shooting and editing and writing and no knowledge at all of we, the world around them. We, we, we teach ourselves that stuff anyhow on our computers. Yes, good people do. Yeah. Um, I wish that were the case across the board. <laughs> you know, it's that, that famous story where uh, Orson Welles went to direct his first film, and uh, he asked uh, the cinematographer, Greg Toland, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never, I never operated a camera before. And he says, I can teach everything you need to know about a camera in, in a half hour. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you know, it's all the other stuff. That's right. Do you have an eye? You know, but but you know, it's it's scary as someone who taught journalism to see how little knowledge these people leave school with, mm -hmm. even though they have all these tremendous abilities. Way they, they know way more about journalism than I ever knew going in. Frankly, they knew more about cameras and editing than I knew even coming out of journalism. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, they they're really well qualified to 
to be technicians, but they're not qualified to be what I would call a journalist. But, you know, talking about these kind of nips and tucks and little fixes to, you know, so that the institution of journalism from the educational point of t- to, uh, through to the practice professionally can be repaired, we may be fiddling while Rome burns. I mean, the, the bottom is falling out. These are desperate organizations who are just trying to get through another day of programming. You That's know, true. can the center hold? You know, I think the center is going to change. I think the difference is it's going to be a different center. But I think journalism is still going to, is still a necessity and it's still something that will continue to exist. What we don't know, because we're in a transition period, is where that center is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Now, news viewers have always been over the age of 45. And this ludicrous idea that you're going to get young people to watch, to sit down and watch CBC News at 10 o'clock is, I don't know what dream world these people are living in. Well, if, if he just found the right guy with some tattoos from City, I'm sure yeah, you could... And, uh, and he's proved more than any, more than anyone that it doesn't work. <laughs> I don't think he's under 45, but... Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I knew him when he was a, a youngster. When actually. he was a pup. When he was, yeah. Well, okay, I've asked you to give me some guidance yep. in, in, in hiring an intern or not, and... Uh, you know, you've asked me to look into my own soul. What, what what advice can you give the people who are considering coming to work for me? And and this is not you're not getting uh, any prestige when you do an internship with with my podcast. I mean, this is uh, if anything, there's a, a a chance that you might alienate yourself from the industry before you even begin. What what advice do you have for the people who've, who've approached me? Well, I mean, there's you go into an internship for two reasons, in my opinion. One is to get a job afterwards so you're meeting people and hopefully it's going to lead to a job and the other reason to go in is to learn something i think people coming to you are people who are coming to learn and therefore i would make i would question you as to what i was going to be able to do what you were going to depend on me for what i'm going to learn on and and be able to take from this from this job and if that satisfies me i i could take it and if it doesn't satisfy me, I'll, satisfy me, I'll look elsewhere. But you have to be sure that you're going to get what you want out of it. And and the kind of person who thinks that they're just going to meet people to get a job, maybe they don't come to you. Maybe they do go to CBC or CTV or Global mm-hmm. or wherever. Mm-hmm. But the kind of people who, who are going to come to you are, are the ones who really want to learn. And I would say that if you want a future working in daily news – Maybe this is not the place to come. Mm-hmm. But if you want a future in maybe the documentary field or, or you know, shows like Steve Pakin's show on TVO, that this is the kind of thing that will help you along that way. And, that, and you have to take that into, into consideration because we don't have apprenticeships. You don't have a choice. Right. So it's a matter of you choosing the, the people who you think are going to work, but those people choosing the places they want to work because it works for them as well. Are there any specific duties that you would advise my future intern to absolutely refuse? No, I don't want to get specific because everyone has different interests and everyone has different abilities. Yeah. But I think an intern should make clear to you what they're good at and what they have the ability to do so that you can make the most use of it. Howard, you would be surprised. It's rough out there. I have people coming to me who have graduate degrees. I have people coming to me who have, who have worked professionally. Yeah. And I have people coming who are saying, well, you've mentioned that you can pay for an intern. You don't need to pay me. I'll do it for free. Sure. But that's, that's because of competition, not because yeah. of, you know, and that's because, as you pointed out before, we're graduating 
thousands yeah. of, of people into this industry when there's maybe uh, dozens of jobs every year. <laughs> there was an article years ago in a magazine called The Baffler about how, you know, any kind of, if you just leave this up to the market, it'll drive the cost of labor not down to zero, but but beneath it. And when you talk about plum prize internships, the New Yorker and whatnot, there are probably some rich kids out there who would pay money to work at no those question. organizations. No question. And, yeah. and, and, and my bet is, we don't know about it, but I'll bet you some of them are already. <laughs> All right, that's it for now. I did keep talking to Howard about his career. He, he said a lot of stuff, and I'm going to play that for you uh, on a future episode. Howard has a blog, by the way. It's called I'm Mad as Hell and I Can't Do Anything About It. It's at hlbtoo.wordpress.com. My website is canadalandshow.com. It was built for me by the guys at nytogroup.com. Check it out. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. You can email me, jesse at jessebrown.ca. Next show will be up on Monday. If you like Canada Land, recommend it. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.